Glad you're here with us on the Clark Howard Show, where it's all about you and that wallet of yours. I want you to learn ideas from me so you can keep more of what you make. Coming up in just a few minutes in today's Clark Rageous Moment, I got to tell you, the banks are gouging people in more and more cities, but it varies by city. I'm going to fill you in. And later, how do you feel about stepping into an airplane as a passenger and having no pilots on the plane? A lot of people in the airline industry that want to see that happen because of the severe pilot shortage. How would the plane actually fly? I'll let you know. I'm going to talk right now about a study done by two professors at UCLA that I read on MarketWatch, summary of their work, that they are looking at all the ways that different industries are testing variable pricing. And I told you last year about an experiment that Kroger is running And gosh, I apologize if I'm wrong where, I think it was in North Carolina, may be wrong on that, where the prices are variable through the day that all the pricing on the store shelves is electronic and can instantly be changed. And if it senses someone with the Kroger Plus card that they may see a different price than somebody coming by who doesn't have the Kroger Plus loyalty program. And the thinking is that in the supermarket business, just like something I told you about with gasoline last year, where a number of gasoline operators are implementing variable pricing through the day because researchers now know that there are certain times a day that people tend to be price-sensitive buying gasoline, and there are other times of a day or day of the week where people are much more just focused on, I got to get a fill up, my tank's getting low, I'm in a hurry, I'm pulling in here. And so you could drive by a station on your way to work and see one price and be driving home and see a price 20 cents higher. And just because of the variable pricing. Well, in supermarkets, they know that there are patterns like that too. There are people who maybe on payday they come in and buy their groceries and they feel a little more flush because they just got paid and so the supermarket can charge more money with variable pricing. Regal Cinemas is going to be testing variable pricing based on the popularity of a particular movie, the day of the week, and the time of a performance on that day that you're seeing a movie. So an unpopular movie on an off day at a non-peak showing could be ultra, ultra cheap. On the other hand, on a Saturday night at 7.30, the hottest movie just released could be three times the price. And so this idea is something that was first perfected by the airline industry over a 20-year period. And it's called dynamic demand pricing, And the ability now with uh, companies to be able to crunch so much data is allowing companies of all different types to go to extreme variable pricing. Now, you may remember Uber got in huge trouble with the public when following a terrorist attack, 
they put in massive surge pricing because people were trying to flee the area. And so there's a difference between being efficient with your pricing and being just greedy. And so this is something that, like, we have very busy lives. And we got to think about all this stuff. But if you are a regular shopper online, the prices of items change all the time. One way you might be able to manipulate that is go to a retailer's website and load an item in your cart and then abandon the shopping cart. And you ever notice how suddenly later ads will start popping up all over the place on your phone or on your laptop for whatever it was that you had put in your cart? And all of a sudden you might see a 15% coupon to buy that item, 15% discount, or a new lower price on that item as they try to lure you back. So the pricing doesn't always mean up. It can mean down as well. And with online shopping, you can see the price of items change repeatedly all through a day and again by day of the week. If you shop for airfares, historically airfares used to be the highest on the weekend. But now because of automated systems, many times airfares, when you're shopping for one where there used to be no real pattern other than weekends cost more, you could find potentially your lowest price looking for a ticket on a Sunday. I mean, I mean, it just never stops changing, and that's why know that at more and more places, the price is no longer the price, which is no longer the price. Did that make any sense at all? Joshua joins us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Joshua. Hey, Clark. Thanks for having me on the show today. Absolutely, Joshua. Uh, were you in a terrible accident? Yeah, I um, I got T-boned, <laughs> and so how um, how are you? How are other people from the accident? Everybody was good. I'm I um, crazy. You know, I'm, I'm I'm thankful for that. But um, you know, I'm sore. I'm. It's about a week ago, and I'm still pretty. You're sore. still sore. So. Have you sought any? Um, opinion from a doctor to make sure you have nothing that's going to be an ongoing injury? Yeah, I went in and got checked out the day of, and they said I had no broken ribs, but um, just a few uh, bruised ribs. So I'm thankful it wasn't worse. Um, but Share with your fellow of, listener how painful bruised ribs are. Oh, it's awful. I mean, I can't sneeze or cough or, you know, get out of bed without grimacing. And I've been trying to milk it with my wife. You know, she's trying to get more back rubs, but that's not working out either. So <laughs> I used to box as a kid, and I was a terrible boxer. And um, <laughs> when I would take those blows to the ribs, oh, man, that uh, hurts. And now you've got like a, like a blow that doesn't go away, at least for a while. Sorry. Right. So um, my question, I... Um, back in like, uh, you know, February, March, my wife and I, we'd been saving up for like a brand new, uh, pickup truck. I'd like to get a four door. Um, but then we sat down and we're like, well, we could do the truck now, or I could keep driving my old truck and we could redo our kitchen. 
And so we, re- we decided to redo our kitchen. And so now my brand new nice truck is sitting in my kitchen, <laughs> which means that... Uh, that you got no money to buy the new truck you wanted. How much right. is the insurance company? How old was the vehicle that was totaled? It was a 98. So no way, no way. Was, 20, was, we're now like the, uh, wow, so we're 21 model years old because the 19s yeah. are already appearing on dealer lots. That's, right. so, that's was, very uh, impressive. Did you buy it, it used? My, or have it, was you, my first, it was my first purchase. At, at, uh, I think it was my junior or senior year in college, and it was used. I had about 70000 on it, and and then uh, it had about 250 on it, and it was still running great. I was going to use it for another year and then upgrade. But How so much is insurance of- offering you on a 21-model-year-old vehicle? They haven't gotten back to me yet, but I'm sure it won't be as much as it was worth to me <laughs> right. um, to drive it. Um, so, I mean, I guess we're kind of in the position now where we have some reserve funds and I could scrounge together uh, a good amount, but uh, probably six or $7,000 short of if I were to get a nice, you know, newer truck uh, with four doors. They're just really expensive. So, I'm trying so to I, So, I have an idea. I have okay. I have a crazy idea is that you weren't planning because you decided to do the kitchen you weren't planning to buy the new truck for another year or so you could buy an interim vehicle a very okay. used vehicle maybe not 21 model years old but uh you're somebody who obviously is not afraid of having an older vehicle you could buy an older one to nurse along for maybe another year or two, wait till you've replenished your funds, and then you buy the truck as you originally intended. Right. And that's what I have been thinking. My wife is kind of along those lines, and I'm wondering if I should just go ahead and make it work. Um, so that's why I called you. So that you kind of recommend taking the the safer route i guess yeah because i mean you you as a couple put your heads together and you set priorities and you decided that the kitchen was more important than you having the new truck Mm -hmm. and so you had this unfortunate circumstance thank goodness nobody badly hurt but you had this unfortunate circumstance and you lost a perfectly fine operating truck and so i would stay with the original plan with the only modification that they throw a little bit of money for, to, towards you at the insurance company, take a little bit more of your cash, and buy the temporary vehicle, and that gives you the time to get back your finances to where you wanted them to be before you made the truck purchase. Right. The other thing that may work to your advantage, if oil prices and in turn gasoline prices do stay elevated, it will soften the truck market. And you might be in a position a little ways away to get a better deal on the truck. Because, you know, truck sales and uh, larger SUV sales are very sensitive to the price of a gallon of gas. Right. And they have gone up quite a bit. I was looking uh, in the fall or in the spring. I was looking around January. I was looking and they're more expensive just six months later, it seems like, than you know the trucks are and they were yeah it seems like they're more expensive now than All right, let me tell you why ago. they're more expensive because the automakers i just read something from uh the trade press and automotive news that truck buyers are 
optioning out trucks like automakers have never seen. And so they're now building the trucks with far more options being shipped uh-huh. to dealers than before because people in so many of the trades where people would normally buy a pickup truck are feeling really good about how things are going right now and they're driving off the lot in much more expensive vehicles. Not that the vehicle became more expensive, but the way people are optioning them out is making the vehicle so much more expensive. You say, when you say that, you're talking about like all the bells and whistles. Exactly. And that type of thing. Yeah, that's what's really running up the prices of the trucks. So it's kind of a shocker when you go down the line of the of the uh, crew cab ones that you're seeing prices topping 50000 routinely on those, mm, yeah. on the new ones. You've seen that, well, right? Yeah. Well, that's not my price range, but I have seen those. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. so that is that is a more recent trend. And, and remember, you're talking about a segment of the vehicle market that goes in waves. It, you know, it crests and then it falls. And, you know, it's inevitable that at some point the truck market will soften and bide your time. And when that happens, that's when I'd buy the truck. Today's Clark Rageous moment involves an assault on your wallet. And it's how the big banks are feeing you to death. Scams, ripoffs, outrages. It's a Clark Regis moment. There's a new survey done by depositaccounts.com, which is a place people go to shop for banks and where to have a bank account and that kind of thing, of where bank accounts are the most expensive for you and where they're the cheapest in the country. And there's been a trend that has not been our friend in a lot of metro areas in the United States where the banking sector in a metro market ends up dominated by a few very, very large banks. The very large banks baked into their DNA, it's all about seeing every possible way they can fee you. And they refer to it behind our backs as the fee checking account, where they try to come up with all kinds of inventive ways to extract more and more money out of your wallet. Well, it does vary around the country how much the big banks influence a market and how much they don't. So I have on a list here where people are paying the most for in banking fees every month And several of the most expensive are in Florida. West Palm Beach, the most expensive, followed by Orlando, Tampa, and Miami. The other big, big cost market, Phoenix, Arizona. And then there are a number of places that the cost of banking is very cheap. So the five with the lowest cost banking are Oklahoma City, Salt Lake, Kansas City, St. Louis, and San Antonio, all places in the heartland have the lowest fees. Why? Because the giant monster megabanks mostly have not paid much attention to heartland states, heartland communities, and it stayed much more a local banking game with much lower prices. The overriding thing they found, though, as a national result is that If you go to an online bank 
which is funny because you hear me talk about the online banks a lot, and do your banking with them, your checking, your savings, potentially your credit card, CDs, money market accounts, you will get much better deals in interest and you will avoid almost all fees that the big banks normally charge. In addition, the other place, this won't be a surprise either, where people tend to get free checking, avoid all the fees, or most of them, is with a credit union. So if you're with a bank and you live particularly on the both coasts, the banks have a bullseye target on your wallet, get rid of them. If I ever want to really freak somebody out, I take them for a ride in my car and put it on autopilot. You're listening to the Clark Howard Show where it's about you and that wallet of yours where you learn ways to save more and spend less and don't let anyone ever rip you off. Three years ago, I got an early version of the Tesla autopilot, the self-driving system that on freeways takes over the driving, handles the speed, the lane changes, um, and all the driving. You just kind of sit there and watch. And Cadillac now has a system that the uh, auto reviewers love that can drive most divided highways and freeways in the United States by itself. And this is going to get to be more and more common and ultimately we'll end up with what the Brainiacs call level five, where a car is fully autonomous, may not even have a steering wheel in it and will just drive itself and will reduce the fatality rate on roads steadily from the massive numbers of people who die on the road every year. It'll trend down as the auto fleet turns over over a long period of time as fully autonomous, self-driving. And it's not an if, it's a when, and the when is going to happen a lot quicker than you might think. Well, who's really fired up about this is where autopilot came from, and that's the airline industry. And airlines are floating a couple of concepts now. One is that there only be one pilot in the cockpit of big commercial jets. And instead of having what's known as a first officer on the plane, that you'd have people in, uh, in like a computer room and the first officers would be there assisting a pilot over the internet while they're flying the plane. And that's a way station to having fully self-flying planes that will have no pilots. And that is going to absolutely tweak people out, except there's going to be an interim step that's already in prototype and testing, and that is single-person personal aircraft that will be principally at first for getting around congested metro areas and there will certainly be no pilot in there. You'll just sit down, punch in where you're going, and the personal aircraft will fly you there. This is not a theory. This is a real thing. So I know this is the kind of change that can absolutely be off-putting, but as the technology is perfected, we have this awkward teenage phase of the people that are either brave enough or crazy enough to be the beta testers. This isn't like testing the latest iOS or Android operating system as a beta. This is your life on the line. And I want volunteers. Who's going first? 
John joins us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, John. Hey, Clark. How's it going? Great. Thank you, John. You got a question for me about pre-tax, post-tax saving. I do, but I first want to thank you for saving me $2,400 in one year on my cell phone bill. Really? What did, what change did you make that saved you roughly 200 a month? Well, it's a feature deal still on your website. It's uh, sprint free for a year, and I can't believe more people don't know about it. I tell everybody about it, and they just think it's too good to be true, but it really does work, and it's unlimited data. I switched my – I was paying over $200 a month with AT&T, and uh, I switched to that deal. I really heard about it, but they keep extending it every month. I did it almost a year ago, and it saved me – it says on uh, Karis Brown's post, it says save up to 1920 a year, but I saved over $2,400 apples to apples on that. So thank you so much. Isn't that great? And you know why Sprint has not had more success with that? There's because two, it's just word of mouth? Or? Two reasons. One is that Sprint is a really damaged brand name. And a lot of people uh, over the years may have had a bad experience with Sprint, and it's just, it's it's not a brand that people gravitate to because it has had a wounded history. And you have not had unhappiness with the network or service at all, I'm gathering. Service, customer service, everything has been as good or better than AT&T. I've used inter- it's unlimited international. I've used it all around the world. I've used it in Europe. I've used it in South America. It's, you know, it's, a, it's like the T-Mobile. It's like maybe two... 3G data, but that's all you need, Google Maps and stuff. So, And domestically, it works just as good. It's, it, you're right. People say Sprint, uh, and then they just ignore it. But I tell them, <laughs> they're just like, what? <laughs> the other factor is people don't believe they're really making it free, but, they, but it really yeah. is free. You pay just some small junk fees each month, and other than that, it's about, free free. I pay about $4 a line. That's about it. Yeah, they they just can't believe there's a catch to it. And I'm like, the only catch is they want you to stay with them, but you can cancel any time. And they just assume you'll stay with them because it's so hard to port numbers over and everything. So anyway, thanks thanks for letting me indulge that because you really did save me over $2,000. Well, I am so glad. And now you want to see if I can help you again with your investments. Yeah, the investment, the, it's, um, I have a new employer and they do have a match. It's pretty good. It's about uh, 4%. And um I, I'm confused about. I've never had a 401k. I've always had Roth uh, IRAs, and they wanted to uh, make me make a decision between a Roth and a traditional 401k. Do they operate the same as a Roth? I mean, can I take out contributions without penalty, like I can with a Roth IRA? So, not while you're employed. It's not designed to do that. But once you're no longer with that employer, and you move the Roth money into your own Roth IRA, then you have that full flexibility. The, the way you make the decision, when you have that 4% employer match, the match is going into a, um, a traditional 401k. So if you did your contributions into the Roth, you're still doing pre-tax and post-tax because you have the mix of your money going post-tax the employer's money going pre-tax. And I like that kind of flexibility. But whether you're best served by doing a traditional 401k or a Roth is determined by a couple of things. Can I ask you how old you are? I'm uh, 50. So 50, you're right on the bubble 
where it doesn't matter as much which you would do between a traditional and a Roth. So then the second question becomes even more pertinent in your case. Are you a very high income earner, a moderate income earner, or a relatively low income earner? Moderate. So as a moderate income earner, it's your choice which way you'd go. It's almost a toss up. And since you have the employer match going into the traditional, I would give a slight nudge to you participating in the Roth 401k rather than the regular because of the massive federal budget deficits we're running now and the lower tax rates we're having right now, the odds are in the future we're going to have to deal with the deficits, an aging population, and a likelihood of higher tax rates. It would lend me to think you're better off doing the Roth, paying the taxes you have to pay now, knowing that later in life, when you pull money out, if you have traditional, you're likely to get hit with higher taxes. Oh, I see it's based on the tax rate in the future because it's a post-tax versus pre-tax money. That makes sense. That's really the determining factor. Thank you. I couldn't bear that out. Thank you so much. So that's, and you know, when you start talking about tax rates and the future and all that, I can always look like an idiot down the road. But <laughs> you got to go with the, got to go with the best information you have at the time, and in my opinion, that is the best option for you. But again, just a nudge forward is that being the best decision for you to make at age fifty. And at age fifty, you can contribute more than normal Earthlings into the four hundred one k if you wish. You're allowed to do something called catch up. John is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, John. Hi, Clark. Thank you for taking my call. Sure, John. You are in a position that so many people would love to be in. You're thinking of canning your student loans early. Absolutely. Um, I have about a a $19,000 balance. They're all public loans. Um, Rates between 3.4 and 6.8%, with most of that being in the 6.8% range. and I got a second job here recently for the explicit purpose of killing off those student loans. Um, but I'm a little bit concerned about something that um, my credit score right now is 815, and that if I kill off those student loans early, that I may take a substantial hit to that credit score. You will not. Okay. You will not. What other forms of credit do you have in your life? Uh, just, um, I have three credit cards, uh, which don't carry any balance whatsoever. Um, but I, I don't have any other installment types like You'll uh, be fine. mortgage or uh, car payment. You will be just fine because, see, more than a third of what makes up your score is just paying your bills on time every month. And okay. then nearly another third is how much of your available credit you're using. You are using credit cards as a payment system where you pay the balance in full every month. So you are maxing out pretty much what your credit score can be. You're near a perfect credit score. And extinguishing the student loans and not having them holding over you is wonderful moving forward, particularly the 6.8s, getting rid of those. About... 12,000 of that is the 6.8% interest rate. And I'm, I'm looking at being able to increase that payment to about uh, $2,000 a month. 
Wonderful. Well, so so you're in like seven months, they're gone. Yes. Yeah, that will feel so freeing and so great for you to Absolutely. be out from under nearly a 7% interest rate on those. The 3.4s that make up the other uh, $6,000, $7,000, those mm-hmm. are not ultra high priority to pay off if there's other things that you'd like to accomplish in your life, like saving money towards a down payment on a home or um, saving money to for a down payment on a car or putting money in a Roth IRA, like we were talking about just moments ago, saving for yeah. retirement. So, so would it maybe be a better idea to just focus on taking down the, uh, the high interest ones and then uh, paying off the remainder as agreed over about, about four years left. That would the, be that would be an absolutely excellent strategy if there are the other things you're also trying to do. Okay, yeah, definitely trying to uh, maybe look at buying a house or um, maybe a, a car in the next couple of years. Yeah, so that's why that would be the right thing to do. You know, accelerate the six point eights, accomplish what you're hoping to accomplish as a gift to yourself before spring of next year. And then the 3.4s, that's very serviceable as an interest rate, and just pay it off as agreed and take the money you would have put towards the student loans and build up your mad money for the car, the house, or the car and the house, whatever. So best to you, and I know there's hard work involved in taking a second job. You're going to reap the benefits of that immediately. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Hey, listeners, whether you love true crime or comedies, celebrity interviews, news, or even motivational speakers, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue, right? And guess what? Now you can call the shots on your auto insurance, too. Enter the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. The Name Your Price tool puts you in charge of your auto insurance by working just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance— Then they'll show you a variety of coverages that fit within your budget, giving you options. Now, that's something you'll want to press play on. It's easy to start a quote, and you'll be able to choose the best option for you, fast. It's just one of the many ways you can save with Progressive Insurance. Quote today at Progressive.com to try the Name Your Price tool for yourself and join over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company & Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Wendy is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Wendy, understand your parents are aging and you got some tough decisions that are about to have to be made. Is that right? Yes. Well, I hope I can be of service to you and welcome to the Clark Howard Show. Thank you. What's the story with your parents? Uh, My mother has been in and out of the hospital um, since January. Oh, I'm uh, so sorry. It's a, it, you know, it's going to, it's bound to happen. She's 82 and she has exhausted her Medicare and her Medicaid, um, um, hospital limits. And so she is forced now to stay at home, but she can't because she cannot stand. Um, so you're going to have to look at some form of skilled nursing home or assisted living? Yes. Okay. Um, how can I be of help with that? And I'm, I really feel bad that your mom is not doing well and 
it's good that she has you to help her through this process. Well, um, I'm trying. She lives in another state. Okay. So uh, my dad is okay. He is living at home and visiting her as much as possible. Um, but where they live, they have, um, he has gone to the state and asked them what he can do. And he is under the impression that he has to go with her and that no. they, the only thing he's going to be allowed to keep is his car. All right. So what we're talking about is Medicaid spend down laws that vary by okay. state and they're very specific by state that if you call on the state Medicaid program to pay for care in a nursing home, that the state will say, well, before we do that, you have to do Medicaid spend down, which is where you basically impoverish yourself in order to qualify for Medicaid. Now, he has the right to, and I know of no state that has an exception to this, he has the right to stay in the family home and she moved to a nursing home and the state would have a claim on the home at the time that your dad would need to move into assisted living himself or at the time that uh, he would pass away the state and now I'm giving you general on something that has very specific rules by state but then at that time the state would uh, have rights to the house and would sell it to recover the money they would have spent for care for your mom right so don't Um, uh, don't let anybody tell him he has to move he has a right to stay in the family home and and you're they're trying to keep the house to give to me um i i'm afraid i have to tell you that the house will almost certainly go to the state not you in return for the state providing the care for her. You will not have any liability for her care, but the state would have right to the asset, the house, in almost all circumstances. Okay, because I thought there was um, a a trust thing that they could do. They could have done it years ago. That has to be done years in advance. The thing I would recommend to you in the state where your parents live, hire an elder law attorney to explain to you your rights and what you may or may not be able to do to keep that house in the family and in turn for you. And if you search elder law attorney and the state name where your parents live, you should be able to find one and you'll need to hire him or her for their advice to see how you can potentially be protected and i hope that your mom does recover somewhat and has a good rest of her life you're listening to the clark howard show if you've enjoyed listening to this podcast of our show i'd love it if you'd subscribe whatever your favorite podcast app is we're pretty much there and whether you love what you hear from me or hate it Take time to write a review. It's how we all learn from each other is from those reviews. 